you know, one of the greatest things I love about biblical truth is that there's such a diversity of biblical truth. You know, some truths in the Bible are very practical. Some truths in the Bible are very prophetic. Many are prolific, but of those truths, one of my favorite truths are the ones that are profound. You know, those profound truths we find in Scripture. And today I want to take a look at one of those profound truths found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And I want to take a look specifically at what is that name that is above all names? So if you turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to pick up from verse 9. It reads, the word of God reads as follows. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, I know when I taught this in our Tuesday night Bible study, Verses 5 to 12 took me seven weeks to get through. And uh, to do something like this within 10 minutes to 15 minutes is a real challenge, but hold on to your hats. We're going to go for a little bit of a ride. In verse 9, the word of God reads, Wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And we see very clearly in this text Christ's journey from humiliation to exaltation by the Father. Christ demonstrated his love for the Father by humbling himself, not merely to die on a cross, but he became obedient. He came, became obedient as a slave, and in his obedience, he pleased the Father. And that obedience typified his faithfulness and his love toward God the Father. And God is promises to exalt Christ to, the, to degrees unknown by man. This was prophesied way back in Isaiah 53. You don't have to turn there, but in Isaiah 53, the word of God says, therefore I will divide him, speaking of Christ, a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. Here we see almost an identical parallel to Philippians 2.8, the deep humiliation of Christ that the prophet states, that Christ was numbered among the transgressors. Christ poured himself out to the point of death, as Paul states, even death on a cross. In John 17.5, in our Lord's high priestly prayer, um, on the eve of Christ's betrayal, Our Lord prayed this to the Father. And now, Father, glorify thou with me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. We just read here in Philippians 2.9 of this exaltation, wherefore also God highly exalted him. The fulfillment of our Lord's request of the Father and of the prophet Isaiah. Herein is the prophesied exaltation of Christ. So it begs us to ask then, what is the name that is above every name? Jesus was the name that was expressed 
expressed his true humanity, which showed his full identification with man. I know if you would have been in first century Palestine and you would have yelled out Jesus, many people would turn around. I think you know that Jesus is Greek for Yeshua, which is Yeshua, which is Joshua, God's salvation. And many, many were named um, Yeshua, right? And so Paul uses a word here. He says he's given him a name, and the name here, what it really means in the Greek is it's a name. It's not merely a name, but he's given him authority. He's given him something that distinguishes him. What then is Christ's new name? The name which is above every name. Well, verse 11 gives us insight. It says, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we know that this name is designed to reflect the exaltation of the Father. We know that it is a name above, meaning it is beyond, it is preeminent, it is unique. Paul uses the word here in the Greek, Lord, which is kurios. But there's something interesting with kurios. This is synonymous with the Old Testament description of as God is sovereign ruler. It refers to the right to rule and, and denote mastery over people. When applied to Jesus, it clearly refers to his deity, his divine right, and his one with the Father. Lord in Greek translates to the Hebrew word Adonai, one of the many titles for God. God has given Christ, the title Adonai, sovereign God, sovereign Lord. And notice what else it says. It says that he has highly exalted him. That means to exalt him to the very highest spot possible. And the verb is used very precisely into this text, which means basically there's none higher. There is none higher. So we see in this text that God acted and he acted in, in a past tense, and God acted in a manner to ensure there would be no higher title, no higher name. So the first point we can derive regarding this is that the Lord, Adonai, is not merely a name, but it's rather a divine title. The second point we can derive from this text is that that title is linked to a person. And in this case, it is linked to Jesus Christ for only, for only Christ humbled himself to such a degree as a slave that God highly exalted him. And the third point we notice is that God has given, he has bestowed on Christ a one-of-a-kind title. God has extended to Christ this grace for this one-of-a-kind title. And we see this to such an extent, we see this in verses 10 and 11, as it sings the praise of our marvelous Christ. Look at verse 10, that at the name or at the authority of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. The favor of God, the pleasure of God, results in something that is very, very unique, and that is at the proclamation of this title, every knee will bow. 
So who exactly will bow? Well, Paul tells us, those in heaven. This includes angels, the dead in Christ that have preceded us, every saved and redeemed soul since the creation of the universe. He says those on earth. This includes both the obedient servants of Christ on earth and the disobedient, rebellious sinners on earth. And he speaks of those under the earth, which would include those in hell, these demons and spiritual forces, the souls of those that are in Hades. And included in this lot, by the way, would be everybody who's ever opposed the gospel and opposed Christ. Let me share something with you. Every in this verse means every, right? I want to be very clear about that. And it says that every tongue will confess. Believer and unbeliever alike will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the sovereign ruler of the universe, that only Jesus has that title. It is unique. It is preeminent. Jesus is Adonai, the sovereign ruler, the sovereign God, the Lord of all. Now, just think for a moment. I want you to think for a quick moment. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot, Muhammad, Osama bin Laden, Vladimir Putin, Charles Manson, Genghis Khan, every king, every wicked president we ever had, every crooked politician, every gangster, every ruler who opposed Christ, everyone who spoke evil against Christ, all who tried to stamp out the church of Jesus Christ will confess that Christ is Lord of all. Look at verse 11. And every and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's amazing that everyone who ever rejected you for the gospel, everyone who ever taunted you, those who have suffered for the gospel, and those who have caused their suffering for the gospel, will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That word confess doesn't mean merely to proclaim. What it actually means is to be fully in agreement with and to acknowledge that agreement openly. That's what it means to confess, that they are going to be in agreement. So what are they confessing? Well, they're confessing, number one, that Christ is the sovereign God of all the universe, Adonai. To the saved and the redeemed of all eternity, this is a joyful confession. It is a blessed confession. Every tear we ever cried, every trial we ever endured, the pain of our earthly life will be gone. We will have known that all of our suffering, be it physical, mental, spiritual, every pain we strive to endure was worth it as we proclaim that our Jesus is Savior and Lord to the glory of God the Father. All creation cries out the worth and the glory of Christ. Don't you want to see that day? Oh, my goodness. I yearn for that day when all creation cries out. But to the unsaved, to those in hell, they are also compelled to acknowledge Christ as the sovereign God of all. And in their confession of Christ, they agree with his judgments. Consequently, they seal their fate 
and that there is no argument that they can make as to their rejection of Christ on earth. They agree that they have been condemned by their sin. They agree that they will spend eternity in hell. And there is no argument that they can make to alleviate their judgment. So what what does this mean to us now? What does it mean to me? The need for the church to preach the true gospel of salvation. For Christians to awake and proclaim this sovereign Christ. If we, the redeemed, the saved of God, do not rejoice in this truth of Christ, if we are not excited that we have been given this privilege to worship this Christ now, then what hope remains for the lost, truly? As we come together for prayer, let us guard ourselves against indifferent, formulaic prayers. And let's bask in the glory of our high and exalted Christ. Let us proclaim with our hearts. Let us proclaim with our tongues that name that is above all names. And let us in prayer worship our Christ with awe, with reverence, with wonder, Listen, with zeal and with fervor and adoration, let us worship Christ. And let us proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Adonai. All to the glory of God. All to the glory of Christ. And all to the glory of the gospel. Amen.